that keeps you showing up. That's mental momentum. Because if we think about what momentum is, and it's a force that helps continue on its own with less effort because it's moving forward. It's an object in motion stays in motion. So for most people, they let their momentum stop. Then it goes back to the other laws that object at rest stays at rest. But the problem is most people look at momentum through the eyes of an outcome. The Happy Healthy Human podcast will help you build your happy, healthy life. Your host, Paul Levitin, is a board-licensed health and wellness coach, nutrition coach, personal trainer, and behavior change specialist with over 10 years of experience helping people create positive life change. Each week, he discusses topics that will help you understand yourself, why you do the things you do, and how to take steps to create the life of your dreams. He talks with experts from therapists to addictions counselors, coaches, trainers, CEOs, financial planners, and more. If you've ever wondered how can you become the best, happiest, healthiest version of yourself, you've come to the right place. Jared Hamilton is the head coach and CEO of Hamilton Trained and the host of the Dieting from the Inside Out podcast. Jared is one of my favorite people on social media. I followed him on Instagram for probably 10 years, and that's because he's one of the voices in the fitness and nutrition space that simply just gets it. Jared puts out great content with real, reasonable, actionable advice. It's definitely someone that you can check out and learn a lot from, from both his social media and his podcast. So I know you're going to take away a lot from this conversation, and I'm excited for you to hear this talk with Jared Hamilton. Explain to me what you mean by dieting from the inside out. So I love, I love that question first and foremost. And for me, it goes back to, there's a, one of my favorite authors is a gentleman named James Allen. If you read any of his books, they're from like the 1930s, but uh, there's a, a quote by him that in one of my favorite books by him called as a man thinketh and, it, and, it, and it's, it's really simple. It goes, we cannot go within and then live without simply put, like we cannot, we cannot go within and live without, or how I like to word it a lot of times is outer work without inner work doesn't work. So that's what, whenever, like with my podcast or like with coaching and I, whenever I use the term like dieting from the inside out, it's, we have to address the deeper, more foundational issues going on because that's the true bottleneck of the issues at hand, right? Like in, especially like in the world of weight loss and achievement and achievement of that kind of stuff. Uh, most people's issues are are not surface level issues. They're deeper issues. And everyone wants to, to diet, like eat less, move more, uh, get, you know, cut their carbs, whatever the case is. But the problem is when we binge eat, emotionally eat, have childhood conditioning, have uh, childhood trauma, have inner child issues, have horrible relationships with food, have self-deprecating emotions, don't know how to handle our emotional triggers. Like you can't just like say, yeah, I'm just going to lose some weight. Like <laughs> It doesn't work. This is why I say before we can diet for real, we have to diet from the inside out, handle all of those things and address them. Then we can diet for real more on the surface level of things uh, from the fat loss perspective. So one, um, as a man thinketh, great book. It's, as you're saying that, it made me kind of think like, why, why is it, or it's interesting, all of the, the best, most prolific like whatever you want to call self-help books came yeah. from a hundred plus years ago, right? Like yeah. as a man thinketh, think and yeah. grow rich, uh, the magic of thinking big, or even yeah. before that you talk about meditations and stuff. So it's just interesting yeah. to think of that like none of this stuff is new, right? This mm -mm. is, this is, this is wisdom that, that we've known for years and yet we still find challenging putting into yeah. practice. So that kind of leads me to my next question, which is that understanding what you just explained about needing to start with the inner work and, I think that conceptually people will hear that and nod their heads and go, yeah, like, okay, that makes sense. So why do people struggle to do that so much? And why does everyone want to focus so much on the outer stuff? I mean, we live in a state of one instant gratification. Like it, it, everyone's like, well, you know, most people are sitting in a place of, Hey, how do I lose weight for vacation in two weeks? Or, you know, or people are pissed that they're they're They don't lose their weight in like 14, 15 days or a month in. They're like, I haven't lost enough weight. And it's, it's like that kind of thing. Most people's beliefs around weight loss and progress and things like that are generally completely off. Um, but it's also not the sexy stuff to, to, to do. It's not exciting um, for most people. And then it also is one of those things most people don't realize how hard that work is. 
right? Like I, I've always said, like the true hard work is, is the deep work is sitting with yourself is undoing old belief systems is healing your relationship with food. Like anyone can say, fuck it. I'm an all or nothing person and, ca- and get all the junk food out of the house. Anyone can do that. That's the easy stuff. This is why people do it for like three weeks at a time. Then one thing leads to another, then they fall off and the whole nine yards happens. The hard work is healing that relationship with, with food. Uh, it's the same thing. Like if you and I have a beef and we have issues like a, like a problem in our relationship right now, and we hate each other, the easy thing would be just never see each other again. The hard thing to do is have those adult conversations and make the apologies and mend those, those connections and things like that. But it's the same thing here. Anyone can just go work out really hard. Anyone can say the gym is my therapy and go emotionally suppress with the dumbbells for however long it take. It's, it's a lot harder work to go. I'm going to go sit with my emotions. I'm going to not let my emotions take the driver's seat. I'm going to stop um, trying to lose weight so quick. I'm going to let myself lose weight slowly while healing my relationship with food, healing my relationship with myself and actually undoing the, the proverbial knots upstairs, so to speak. I, that's the true hard work. That's why no one does it. Or most people don't think it's that practical for fat loss or most people go, okay, Jared, I get that, but you don't get it. I've got to lose weight now. I've got this thing going on, but that's what's, what keeps people in that trap of dieting for decades. So. Yeah. I I think that obviously the concept of like instant versus delayed gratification is, is, is something that's extremely important. And I think that's something that gets talked about a lot. I've talked about it before. You've talked about it before Mm -hmm. everyone. It's, it's pretty popular these days, right? Like we, we get that. Right. But I think that what's more important, it's actually interesting that you, that you brought this up because the way you phrase that is very similar to the way that I phrase it. It's like doing the hard thing. But mm-hmm. I think people get confused on what the hard thing is. They go exactly like you said, like, oh, well, I'll just cut out carbs because that's hard. That's easy. Right, exactly. That's thoughtless. And that's where I yeah. think that people get mixed up is that they they do something that is like hard because they don't want to do it, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. like, obviously, if I had to, ch- if I got to choose between eating candy and not eating candy, not eating candy is harder because I like candy. But it's thoughtless in the sense that it's it, it just gives me an answer and then I don't mm-hmm. have to actually plan it, it. That's that's so much easier than the real solution, which is figuring out exactly when can I have candy? Why does it trigger me to have candy? Sure. Why is it that like I why is it that when I get stressed, I go and I shame eat Oreos in my car or whatever mm-hmm. the thing is? And like that's the hard work. So people latch onto these things because they're theoretically hard, like or like in in practice hard, right? Like you said, like going and smashing yourself to, mm-hmm. to bits at the gym, working out till you're sore or till you can't walk the next day, when the actual right thing to do would be to follow a program yeah. and work with a coach and do all the, all of these other things where it's like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't give that immediate boost. And it, it's still hard by both things are hard, but the hard, I think has to be in the, the thought process yeah. rather than in the action itself. I'm wondering if, sure. that, if what that, yeah, no, you, you I, I, that, no, Paul, you hit the nail on the head. The reason is because it's thoughtless. Um, I, there's an old quote by Bob Proctor, one of my other favorites. And he talks about like, he broke down the statistics where basically no one wants to think. Thinking is actually using your your mind and thinking properly is really, really hard. Um, most people don't want to do it. And it's one of those things where every extreme requires the least amount of thought effort, the least amount of bandwidth saying I'm an all or nothing person. So I'm going to get rid of all the Oreos and never have carbs and eat organic every day. Like, okay, okay. Yeah, that's hard. Like that sucks, but that takes the least amount of thought process. You're being an extremist. But saying, fuck it, I'm going to have all the Oreos and eat the entire pack because who cares? That takes the least amount of uh, of thought process because you're living on each extreme. But learning to teach yourself moderation and heal those relationships requires unlearning. It requires being coachable. It requires you to go completely against old conditioning, right? But if you notice, we see this in every, this is dichotomy in every area of our life. We see it in relationships. It's easy to be up each other's ass every second of the day or live across the globe. But what takes the most amount of emotional and mental acuity is to learn to coexist. We see this politically, right? You see, this is, we're not going to get into politics. I'm sure it's the last thing you want to get into here. And I, I hate them too, but like we see this politically, you'll see far right extremists, far left extremists. It's easy to pull the extremism card, but no one wants to be in the, in the middle and like actually get along with each other who have difference differences of opinions, right? We see this anywhere. I, my big thing is anything good has a dichotomy that requires this level of nuance and thought process and mental bandwidth. And when people, and that's the hard work, that's the true mental capacity, hard stuff, not 
just saying, oh, what's the hardest effort? Because every, everything's based on that. It's we would all just go pull a David Goggins and just run marathons every day. You know what I mean? 100%. And it's it's funny. That's exactly I, – I love the example of David Goggins. I say that all the time. It's like like I love that rah, rah, rah motivational shit too. Sure. But it's like if it were that easy, it would be done. If it were as easy yeah. as to just do more, do more, do more, then the hardest working people would be the most successful people. And well, that's – Go ahead. It's, it's it's funny on that. I had so I got I made a post. Uh, I, I made some pretty polarizing posts apparently that triggered like half the internet this past week. And so someone in my comment sections actually had a was on on my side and actually made a really good point. And I've been using it now because basically I it was the concept was like weight loss truths no one wants to face. And what the very first one that is working out is not therapy. Therapy's therapy. Like yes, it can be therapeutic, but it is not therapy. And half the internet got pissed off. But one person jokingly but was serious who was on my stance he's but he said just that he said he's like yeah you have family issues inner child problems and trauma just go work out bro it's the same where like if it was that easy we could just do that but that's not it like even if something deeper like inner child issues or trauma or let's say something where one is getting into therapy the hard work is working with a therapist or a coach and unpacking all this stuff the easy thing would to do is go suppress it with food or with training or with your kids or with your job. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought up um, a, a second ago, the analogies here between this, what we're talking about, diet, weight loss, whatever, but also politics is, is a good one relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, I say all the time on the show, everything is the same. And that's why I like to have these type of conversations because everything that we're talking about, we can have this conversation about diet and the inner work and all this stuff. And it's like, just take out the word diet and replace it with anywhere. I just use the word success, <laughs> yeah. anything that you want to be successful in, in life, successful in relationships, successful in diet, successful in working out, successful in business. It's the same thing. Right. And yeah. this is the, this is the, the guy who's like, I want to be an entrepreneur. So what do I have to do? Grind, 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 never sleep that, that life style, but it's like, we know that that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. We know that you're going to get burned out. You're going to be tired. And then you're going to give up in the long term. And that, you know, the, the hard thing, right. I, I like to say like the pendulum swings and that's the thing. People are in one extreme and they want to swing right to the other side, to the other extreme. Right. So they go right. from doing nothing to doing everything, but yep. the real work, the hard work is, as you said, you know, finding that middle ground where you're getting yeah. the result, but doing it in a long-term sustainable way. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, when you, when you understand those are the bare bone principles, that is diet, that is exercise, that is entrepreneurship, that is being a good father, that is good being a good husband, that is being yeah. a good wife, a good mom, a good dad, whatever it is. It's like, these are the, these are the principles of success. And I think that's the kind of stuff that I'm so interested in. And I was listening to your podcast recently, which is titled uh, Dieting from the Inside Out, which is why I, I started the show with that question. But one of the things, the concepts you were talking about uh, when talking about, I think it was like New Year's resolutions or something like that, was the concept of raising the floor yeah. rather than raising the ceiling. I'm wondering if you could expand on that and explain yeah, to I'd listeners to. what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 for sure. So there's a concept that that it, every time I talk about it or I do a training on it, a lot of people resonate with it. And it's a little bit polarizing. It's a little bit not not the this, the normal, but it's it's so important. And we implement with this with clients a lot in it in it, to, to set the frame. It allows for more success with less effort with with like dialing down extremism and pressure. Because my thing is this, if we talk about good days and bad days, your good days are good enough, right? Most people are thinking, uh, like right about now, everyone's like adding, it's right at the time of filming this, it's January what uh, 2nd. So everyone's New Year's in hard, like crazy, right? Everyone's New Year, new me. Everyone's buying the supplement stacks, getting into coaching, um, buying the the three year long gym membership um, because it's a no brainer and you're and it's a, it's a new year, new you, like, but the, here's the thing, your best days are already good enough. You don't fall off on your best days. Your best days, you're tracking calories, hitting your protein, sleeping well, managing your stress, having great digestion, um, calmness of the mind, have great relationships, relationship with food. You're getting your steps in your best days. You're already kicking ass. So let's not try to make those better. Let's look at your bad days. Like, cause that, like, that's the thing what we would do with clients is we'll ask just honestly, like, Hey, how many days statistically, like what percentage of your year are bad days? I, I, I just did a really big training in one of my, in my fat loss group the other day, I, I have a free, free fat loss group. And, and I asked, I said, what, what percentage of your days are bad are just not good. And it ranged from everyone's answers, 30 to 60, maybe 75%. That's crazy. If 70 is every three out of every four days of your life are bad, like you, that sucks. But the, the reality is 
let's say 30%. So one of the ladies said 33% was like the lowest number I got. So that's a lot. If, if you took a 33, for those listening, if you took a 33% paycheck cut or cut in your paycheck, you'd be pissed. If you, if I cut off 33% of your house, you'd be pissed. If I said you weren't allowed to have access to 33% of your bed, you'd be like, holy shit, I can't sleep anymore. That's a lot. So the thing is, if 33% in this case of your day, just to make numbers easy, is or, or of your year is not good, would it not make sense to put a strategy in place that makes it where your head stays above water on those days, right? It's not like you you have a bad day every once in a while. Most people have days that are challenging to them that test them pretty frequently. You throw kids into the mix, done. You throw uh, a business into the mix, done. You throw all these other things into the mix. You got a lot of days that can kick you in the teeth. But if you look at the days where you fall off, you, you sabotage, you start the yo-yo, you ruin everything, you, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna start over Monday, they're your bad days. So my thing is, instead of making your best days that are already a nine out of a 10, instead of taking them to a 10 out of a 10, I would rather take your day that's a one to a five and your ROI will be so much better with less effort. Because the beautiful thing is like, like one of the great examples I, I, that I've heard along these lines is, um, let's take someone like Michael Phelps, best swimmer on the planet, right? Michael Phelps is the, literally the best swimmer like on planet earth. Well, imagine how for Michael Phelps to get better in a year, he might be able to get 1% better, maybe because he's such at such an elite level for him to go from wherever he's at and increase his capacity by 10%. That's massive, right? That's why at his elite level, we're talking about fractions and fractions and fractions of improvement. But you take someone like me, um, I only get in the water if I have to, like, I don't, I'm not a swimmer. I can swim and I won't die, but I'm not jumping in a pool for laps. Now, if you said, Jared, grow your swimming capacity and your skill set over the next year, I could probably grow it 100% because I'm at such a low level, right? But Michael Phelps could maybe only grow it by like 1%. So for those listening, looking at your day-to-day, your best days are already the Michael Phelps. You're kicking ass, you're taking names, you're, you're doing the habits well. But if you look at your the, your this whole thing objectively, your best days have the chance for most improvement because most people... Uh, when they're on this journey, they're on what I call an adult roller coaster, super high highs, super low lows, super high highs, super low lows. In reality, you want your journey to more be more like a kiddie roller coaster, small high, small lows, small high, small lows, where it's very, it's not that big of a deal because it's the, it's the giant drops that get you, you t- let your highs get too high and you think you can do this unsustainable January one bullshit. And then life kicks you in the teeth and that's when you, you spiral out of control versus my thing is your best days are already badass. Let's leave those alone. Let's improve your worst days. And here's the cool thing for most people. That's not that much effort. Most people's worst days, they say, fuck it and throw in the towel. They say, I'm an all or nothing person and then give up. They, they quit. They, whatever your worst days, your goal should just be to keep your head above the water. That for most people could be stopping when you're full done for most people that could be just not quitting. For some people that could be doing a little bit of something versus a whole lot of nothing. If you're, if your training sessions are normally an hour and you only have 20 minutes that your worst day could be walking around the block for just mental momentum. It could be just doing your inner work. It could be, I don't know how many calories are in this, but I'm at least going to just have one plate like a normal human and not say, fuck it. It's, it's those kind of things that's raising your floor and keeping your head above water and that now doing that, you can have the best progress ever. You'll, you'll probably quite literally double your results with a lesser amount of effort because we're just improving your floor versus improving your ceiling. Yeah. I love that concept. I think that it's, it's so powerful and, and realistic and doable. And again, just, just me thinking as you're talking like this, it's like, this is not just a diet thing, right? This is, I see this so clearly in myself even, but anyone who's an entrepreneur, even just in in your job, it's like, you have those days where you're like, you're going to, you're going to go, you're going to crush it. I'm going to record all the videos. I'm going to record all the podcasts. I'm going to email, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, I have three days of just sitting and watching Netflix where I don't do anything. And I just beat myself up about it. And it's like, I I think about productivity and it's like, do more, do more, do more. But it's like, what if I, what if just those days when I was doing literally zero, I did 10%, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and that would be such a huge needle mover. And, and I think it also takes so much of the pressure off because a big part of this in again in diet and exercise in relationships and everything is yes when we fall off we live in the extremes but a big part of us is also what happens after that after the quote-unquote fall off when we 
we double down on that by feeling yeah. bad about ourselves, right? That day when I watch Netflix is worse when I go the next day and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I wasted all day yesterday. Now I feel like crap and now I'm beating sure. myself up more about it. And you kind of use this this phrase, which I've actually never heard before, but it makes total sense to me when you were just talking and you said uh, mental momentum. So I'm wondering yeah. what exactly you meant by that and, and if you could expand on that a bit. Yeah, mental momentum is such a big concept because most people are... Uh, the a very bad place to be is um, when you're um, completely outcome generated or, or, or you're outcome driven. Um, but the problem is we can't control outcomes. We can only control actions, but then ironically actions lead to outcomes. This is what we teach with in weight in like coaching and weight loss, where um, I can't control how fast or slow you lose weight. I can't control where it comes off of where you may have love handles till you have an eight pack. Then they come off versus some people love handles go first, right? It's like, it's, we, there's so many uncontrollables, but too often we, most people look at things through the lens of my outcomes. How much weight have I lost? How many inches have I lost? Oh, I'm not good for far enough ahead or whatever the case is. Um, and we're totally outcome focused, but the problem is we can't control outcomes. And so when people don't get the outcomes they want, they go, ah, oh, fuck it. It's not worth it. But what if we shifted to what I call is what I would classify as action focused, where now your goal is less on the outcome. It's more on, did I do the thing I said I would do? Did I show up? Did I do the thing or whatever the case is? Did I get my inner work in? Did I get my training session in? Did I, whatever your habit is. But where that bleeds into mental momentum is a lot of times we think of physical momentum, right? Like in my neck of the woods, I have a, a challenge that I, I, I run a lot. It's called the momentum building challenge. It's not, it's basically me saying all diet challenges are trash because they're all based on 21 days outcomes. And my thing is like, you just can't do that realistically, but you can get momentum in 21 days. You can be feeling unstoppable and actually have three, four weeks of habits in place that make you feel quite literally unstoppable. But my thing is where mental momentum comes in is a lot of times people think in their outcome brain, like they'll go to the gym. Let's say, let's say like, we'll use that analogy I used a minute ago. You only, you, you're in training sessions are normally an hour. And let's say the kids are crazy. You're fighting with your husband. You lost track of time. You got held up over at work and you can't go get your training session in, but you could walk around the block. You could go get some steps in, but most people go, oh, well, my Apple watch says that's only like 50 calories burned. So that's not even worth it. Right. It's an out because it's an outcome. But my thing is, no, that keeps you showing up. That's mental momentum. Because if we think about what momentum is, and it's a force that helps continue on its own with less effort because it's moving forward. It's an object in motion stays in motion. So for most people, they let their momentum stop. Then it goes back to the other laws that object at rest stays at rest. But the problem is, most people look at momentum through the eyes of an outcome where it's basically, oh, my workout, I, I did a training session. I don't look any different. Hey, I ate a, a salad and uh, I'm not shredded yet. That Those kind of things. But mental momentum is where you are showing up and you go, hey, I'm doing this. My, my head's in it. My, my actions are in this. And you're from, you're from a mental deposit side showing up and moving forward. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I you know talk about a lot but I don't think it can be overstated because this is really everything this is that the, the crux yeah. of the biggest issue is exactly as you said is, is being outcome versus action mm. oriented um, because as you said we can't control outcomes and, and again I always like to take a step back away from fitness and just put this into the, the bigger sphere it's the same thing with money right I can mm. do all the work on my business I could be the best entrepreneur ever that doesn't mean that when I put my product out into the market that the, the market is going to receive it right the market sure. makes the decision so you know that's one of those things that like we are we are so attached to those outcomes and mm -hmm. it, a lot of this goes a little bit deeper and it's something that I've heard you talk about before about identity so I'm, I'm curious how do you see those two being interacting and and also how do you see identity as playing a role in the overall scheme of what we're talking about here yeah uh here's my, my thing is this one identities is such a deep topic and it's but it's everything if your identity is not in a good place we always sabotage to it right? The person who thinks they are not good enough and not worthy, they'll get things in life. They'll make the money, find the girl, get that car, may, uh, you know, lose the weight. But well, that goes against your belief of, oh, I'm not good enough or worthy. And then you'll find a way to ruin it all. Right. Uh, or someone has the identity of, oh, I'm a fat person. I've always been fat. I've always struggled. Well, what happens when now they work with Paul and they lose weight effortlessly, but their identity is, oh no, I struggle with losing weight. They're going to find a way to gain the weight back unconsciously. We have an organ in our brain called your reticular activating system whose sole role in life is to prove you right. 
and is to validate and find resources and find data to support your beliefs and what's important to you. So if you view, oh, I can never catch a break, your brain is going to go bet. I'll show you every, every single thing that is out to get you and I'll hide every opportunity from you. Then you got someone like me where I'm thinking I'm just like lucky. I'm just like that blessed dude that like has that just the world gets out of their way for me. I've, I've worked on that as my identity over time. And all of a sudden I wake up and see opportunity every fucking day. And it's the same. It's, it's because we get what we look for every single time. It's, it's science teaches us this spirituality teaches us this, the way our, um, our psychology and our physiology teaches this neurochemistry teaches us this. Um, but we always sabotage to our identity. Our identities, uh, one of my favorite mentors that I look up to, his name's Ed Milet. Ed talks about um, your identity is like the thermostat on a wall, whereas it, it always regulates the environment to wherever it's set at. This is why we see people who their identity is made up of things they hate about it themselves. Um, in our neck of the woods, we see bingers a lot. Like a lot of people come to come to me and my team to really hone in and we specialize in things like this the deeper, nasty inner stuff. So we get a lot of people who let's say binge eat, for example. Um, when someone tells me they're a binger, that's the first thing I have to break. It doesn't matter what binge eating strategies I give them. If their identity is I'm a binger, well, what's going to happen is they're going to go five weeks without binge eating. Then all of a sudden it's like a drug addict and something triggers in their brain goes, we need our fix. We're a binger. This is just what we do. And you'll we'll unconsciously find a way to binge eat again. It's, 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 it's like the self-living prophecy inside of all of us is what our identity is. Um, it's what operates us unconsciously, which is 90% of our day. So if 90% of your day is totally unconscious and your unconscious mind has a really shitty identity, it's no wonder you keep ruining any success you get. It's why people stay in the dieting for decades club. They, they, they identify in their identity as I'm a dieter. Well, what happens when Martha loses the 50 pounds and she doesn't need a diet anymore? Now that's a threat to her identity of I'm a dieter. I've always been dieting. Weight loss is hard for me. Well, now she has this reality of I don't need to lose weight anymore. Well, that's a threat to that identity. Now what's going to happen? She's going to unconsciously find a way to gain all the weight back so she can diet again, fulfilling her identity of I'm a dieter. It's just what I do. I've always dieted my whole life. They're all wrapped together. 100%. And that, that, that super powerful one. I love everyone that you're, you're bringing up, right? We're, we're in the same boat. I love Ed Milet. And yeah. yeah, it's funny as you're, you're talking, it, it kind of reminded me of the James Clear thing, which is like, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our habits. But now yeah. what you just said really pinged for me, which was that like, or we sabotage to the level yeah. of our identity. Well, because right? if so, you look at where our, our habits don't come from, our habits, mm -hmm. um, operate, um, unconsciously for most people like Ed Milet talks about, we always fall to the level of our standards. Well, because our standards is caught up in who we think we are. And then that's solidified through our actions. Are you the person who shows up for themselves? Are you the person who does hard things? Are you the person who does what's right over what has instant gratification? It, it goes back to like, it just solidifies who you think you are. Right. And, but now my question is, you know, for someone like you or me, I feel like we're very similar in the way that we, like the way we came up was the same, right? I feel like a lot of people who work in the fitness industry, at least if you are open-minded enough, come to this conclusion, right? You get, you start in the fitness industry, you start as a personal trainer or whatever. You start realizing that like, oh, maybe just smashing people with weights, isn't it? And maybe just telling people to cut out carbs, isn't it? And then you realize like, right. if you're, if you're just a, a smart enough person, you have to come to this natural conclusion, which is that like what's out there is, is, is flawed and that this stuff, the inner work, the identity pieces, the stuff that we've talked about today is, is, is it right? You can't really look at the whole picture and not see that as a conclusion. That's why I don't have a problem having these conversations over and over and over, because yeah. I think this is what people need to hear. But now I also think that you and I coming from this place that that can't be coincidence, right? So there has to be something about you and I and our identities that allowed mm -hmm. us to start in the fitness world and walk through that piece. And as you said, right, cause I'm kind of the same way I've always been on that side where like, I just feel that I do deserve good things. And I, I do think that I'm a lucky guy. And it's like, it's, I don't, I'm not the, I, I've met people on the other side of that equation where like th their mental, I, I call it um, the, 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 the framework that they look, they look at the things through or like the, 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 the uh, lens that they see things mm -hmm. through is always negative. Right. And yeah. so you or I don't have that. And our identity doesn't go in that direction all the time. Obviously, sometimes things change. So my question is, how does someone change that if they are that person who, as you said, has been, I'm just fat. That's who I've been. How do we start to change that identity? It starts with your belief systems. Cause number one is you can't ask one of my, another one, you probably, probably know one of my other favorite authors, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, this is a quote from Joe. Joe says, um, we cannot escape a jail. We don't know we're trapped in. Most people are oblivious to this. You can't change something you don't know exists. 
right? So most people don't realize their identity is what operates their, their actions unconsciously. And then actions is what leads to consistency and consistency is what leads to results. So we have to take a step way back and go fix this internal foundation, diet from the inside out. Oh my gosh. Right. Um, and step one is realizing how big of a deal this is. Number two is realizing like, what is your identity right now? Most people don't even know what their shitty identity is like it complete at all. And then my thing is people also have to realize you have no responsibility to be the same person you were five minutes ago. But most people, here's where most people get, get it wrong. Most people think they have to have physical evidence to change their identity, which I would disagree with like a thousand percent. You can like, no one would say, imagine if a drug addict said, Hey, I want to get clean, but I've only done, I've done drugs the past decade, but I want to get clean. I haven't been clean yet. How do I get the identity of a clean person? Well, you just decide you're going to be a clean person. And then you align your actions with your new identity. That's the piece that actions is what solidifies an identity. We can't just sit here and go, that's who I am. And then keep doing the old actions because talk is cheap, right? I made a post the other day that new year's day fell on a Sunday. I go, how many people's new year's day, how many people's new year new me is starting with an I'm starting over Monday, right? Because that's an identity thing. It goes right there. A new me, new me. Well, new mead has new action, right? So once your identity is where you choose it to be, now you have to align all of your actions with how would that person act? What would they say? What would they do? What are their standards? How do they talk? How do they dress? How do they, whatever the case is. Whenever, like in my business, uh, I start when my, my business started really scaling and really growing and now I have a big team. My question is what kind of, my question wasn't, how do I make this amount of money? I said, what kind of leader do I have to become that generates that kind of revenue. Because it's not how do I get, it's who do I have to become that gets, right? Because we're just receiving on the level in which we're at. We don't get, what we, another James Allen's quote, we don't get what we want, we get what we are. Therefore, to get more, we have to become more. Actually, I think that may have been Napoleon Hill. I can't remember, one of those fellas. But we. But that's things, we're always getting what we are aligned with if we want to sound like kind of airy-fairy about it, but it's true. Um, we don't, we don't stay, get to have a shitty identity, then get new great results. We have to become that quality of person who just gets those things. I don't, I can't just expect my team to follow me with sh shitty leadership skills. I have to become a great leader. That's worthy of being followed. Right. It's no different there. Yeah. There's, there's a phrase that, that I really like similar to, to what you just said that uh, pisses a lot of people off when I say it, but it, it, it I haven't found something that disagrees with this to, in my experience and it's having is evidence of wanting. And that means that the life you have in some way you are choosing that, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Right. So it's like, if you're overweight, you can say all you want. No, I want to lose weight. I want to be skinny. I want to do this, but it's like, but you're not. So clearly something about what you're doing, the actions that you're taking, you're choosing to stay where you are. Right. I'm like, rock I, bottom yet. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. You want, I want to be rich. And yet every day I'm waking up and watching Netflix. So the yeah. fact that like, yes, are there outlier, are there reasons, are there things that are outside of our control? Yes. But at the same time, it's like, if I choose to focus on the things outside mm -hmm. of my control, that's sure. a surefire recipe to never get anywhere in life anyway. So it's like, mm -hmm. I automatically want to disregard that stuff. So when, when we're, when we're talking about this stuff, the identity piece specifically, my question is, right. Say I'm that person, as you said, I, be, I've been, uh, identity has been the dieter, right? This is, what did you say? The, the, the diet for decades diet, team, diet, <laughs> diet for decades club, yeah. Yeah. the diet for decades club, right? That's been that, that person. And, and, and I want to change out of this thing, but clearly if it were that easy, right, it would already be done, right? We've already talked about that. So my question is, do you, how, how does it work in regards to releasing one identity yeah. and then adopting the other, which piece comes sure. first? So out the gate, number one, you have to realize that your old identity, old identity doesn't serve you. And it was put there when you were defenseless. It's not your fault, but it's now your responsibility. I had like, like there are some areas of my childhood that wasn't the greatest, but I'm not going to sit here and be a, a bitch ass victim and say, Oh, I'm not meant for all this, what I want, because I didn't grow up that way. I got, I got, I grew up because of the way that the way that I grew up, I grew up not confident, not happy, depressed all the time. Well, that wasn't my fault. That was conditioned in me from like a psychological perspective, but I'm a, I'm a big boy now, which means if I want this great life, it is my responsibility. And it's like, I play the hand. I, I don't just play the hand I was dealt. I played the hand I was dealt. Like it was the hand I wanted, right? I can't be a victim and then get achiever things. So for me, the way that we teach this is number one is realize your current identity doesn't serve you. And that's who you were. That's not who you are. 
right? You did not come out of the womb being a dieter. You did not come out of the womb being a binger. You did not come out of the womb being a failure. If anything, when you come out of the womb, you have the best track record because you're about 400 trillion to one. You ever seen like, like I always think it's cool when you see like one of those animated things of what like a sperm cell looks like going to the egg. And it's like, you see the one out ahead of everyone. I'm like, that fast bastard was me. Holy shit. Like right out the gate, you got some pretty good momentum. So, but then what happens is we took on these identities from people who probably meant well when we were defenseless. Because when we're children, we are just a subconscious mind. We have no ability to think for ourselves. So when your mom says, oh, we're just big boned. We just, we are not like those people. We, well, we're just whatever. We're not, we're not motivated people. Are you kidding me? They get those kind of things. We're just not like that, right? You were defenseless. But my thing is this, you have to have a moment of reckoning where you can realize you have the ability to change your identity like you change your clothes. Um, it takes time. It's not as fast and quick and easy, but it's, if any, if, to be honest, there's, I, I, anyone can do it. Um, cause there's a couple things along it. Number one, along these lines, number one is you don't wear the same clothes you wore from when you were 12, but you're walking around with the same identity from when you were 12. It's a problem, but it's like you, what, what would happen if you wore the same clothes you wore when you were 12? Well, it wouldn't fucking fit. I'm a 220 something pound Jared. I may not be very tall, but like I'm way bigger than I was when I was fucking 12 years old. But, but imagine how crazy you'd be walking around wearing the same clothes. Well, that's how silly it is walking around with the same identity. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm big boned. I'm not never that kind of person. Like you actually get around the right people and you could be right. You can decide that because here's the thing. If we look at other people in other, other areas of our lives, they've done it. There's no reason we can't. And most people listening have done this identity shift, but it's been a little bit in a different capacity. Most parents I know, if you have any, like if any parents are listening to this, um, when your child was born, some people, they look at the stick they just peed on. And when it's positive, they had an identity shift. They go, I'm mom. Now when you got the, most people will get like their, let's say a credentialed title at work, an RN, a CPA, a police officer, a firefighter, whatever you, when you graduate or you get the pin, you have an identity shift of I'm a nurse. Now I remember when I passed my first personal trainer exam, I walked out of a testing center and the ladies just goes here. And I, and I saw a pass. I, in a moment I had an identity shift of I'm a personal trainer now. Right. But three seconds before you weren't, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those things where like, if all of a sudden um, you found the winning lottery ticket, that's worth $300 million. The money's not even in your bank account, but you're at, you'd have an identity shift of I'm wealthy. Now I have abundance in my life. The crazy part is we have these feelings all inside of us, but most people have a gatekeeper. So right out the gate, you have to realize it, that your old identity doesn't serve you. And the crazy thing is you have to choose who you want to be. Most people hear me when I say this, for those listening, most people stay who they are because somehow they got here and they didn't choose here. Most people stay where the, who they are because somehow they wandered over here versus choosing who they want to be. It's the difference between a buoy in the ocean floating versus a speedboat in the ocean that says, I don't care. I'm going over there. Now, right about now, most people go, Jared, I don't even know where to start with, with this identity, what, who I am. So here's the one exercise I, we have all of our clients to do that works like magic. So, um, I want to most, so how we have people do this is like, actually imagine this is a real scenario. You're going in for brain surgery tonight, right? You're, you're about to get wheeled in and the doctor comes in and he's like, Hey, look, we're going to take you in, in about an hour and we're going to operate, take that, you know, little, little thing out of your brain, that tumor that's in there. Now here's the hard part of the conversation. There may be a chance I hit the reset switch. Like it's a crazy surgery. I may straight up hit the reset switch and you have complete you have no idea. You'll, you'll wake up and have no idea who your family is. You'll have no idea who you are. You don't know why you're in the hospital. You will have absolute reset switch hit. It's, there's a 50-50 chance I might hit that. It's just the nature of the surgery. So as your doctor, I'm telling you, you should probably write a letter to yourself in case that happens so you can read it in the morning when you wake up so you know exactly who you are. See you in an hour. The question is, other than like, yep, my brother's name is this. My mom's name is this. My question would be, what would you put in that letter? I know everyone's going to write that letter, but I, pr I guarantee you those that are struggling with this identity stuff, no one's going to be putting in there. I've been binge eating for the last decade. I'm not confident. I fucking hate myself. I'm a degenerate to society because I didn't get honor roll in high school when my mom really wanted me to, right? You'd leave all that bullshit out. I would write the most superhero motherfucking story. Like I would be like, yeah, I'm basically Tony Robbins, but a little bit better. Like, 
I would, I would, I would, I would make the most superhero story. The crazy part is that's your identity. That's who you're supposed to be. That's who, like, whatever you think created you meant for you to be. That's, that's what, what your identity is. So we actually have our clients write that letter, like actively write that letter. And then they usually get really emotional and then have that moment of like, you know what? I'm breaking up with the old identity. Hey, thanks for everything you did, but we're no longer together anymore. Here's the new identity. And then it's not all happy hunky dory just because you wrote a fucking letter. Now all of your actions and thoughts now live in alignment with that version of you. That's what we do. Yeah, that's amazing. I I, I love that actually. I, I've heard ton of a ton of these different types of like tools and little thought experiments uh, ac- uh, along the years, and like that's a new one that I've actually never heard. But I I like it because a lot of times it's like write a letter to your future self or like you know something like this. But like this is like this isn't five years from now. This is like as you said, now. it's like today. This is now. Right? Like yeah, I get, and and yeah. The, like and there's, there's you get a reset button and everything everything is starts over today. So I think that's great for anyone listening. You know, take some time to actually to to, to do that right now. I think you learn a, a lot about yourself. I really, yeah. I really appreciate that, uh, Jared. And, you know, one of the other things that you said, and I know like when you talk like this, this is why I, I love talking to you because I can tell that this is the type of stuff that you talk about in social media and like that's so mm-hmm. polarizing. It's like when you said before, it's, I say this all the time, it's like it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Um, yeah. when, when you say that, like w- what exactly do you mean? It's, it's not your fault that like for most people who are struggling, it is not their fault. Diet culture fucked them over. Their mom and dad who grew up in the fucking 50s, 60s, and 70s fucked them over and and taught them wrong things. Like, I swear, like 90% of our clients had like toxic diet culture parents who are putting like 11 year olds on Weight Watcher meetings and smacking bread out of their hands and like shit like that. It's not your fault. It's not like one of uh, a, a story I tell a lot. It was one of the clients that, that, um, who went through our program, um, she, she's actually like a, like a, like we, we work with a lot of therapists because there's, I guess this, there's this huge gap in the therapy community that's missing with this stuff. So we work with a lot of therapists and like, uh, social workers and mental health professionals. And one of the things, one of the, one of the, the, the people we were working with, um, she struggled with binge eating a lot. Well, I teach just four reasons for binge eating. Um, and one of the big reasons she was binge eating is because it was a conditioned response as a child be for survival. So for example, she's in her thirties, um, struggling with binge eating, like just doesn't know what the issue is. Well, we dug this a little bit deeper and I, and I, and I asked her, I go, when did binge eating become a thing? And she goes 11. I go, wow, that was oddly specific. What happened when you were 11? She goes, Oh, my mom and dad were doing well financially and they didn't have much food in the house. So whenever I went across the street to play with my best friend, they kind of knew. So they just let me eat whatever I wanted. So I just binged every time I went over there. I go, Oh, so you did it out of a, an 11 year old who was hungry. Like, yeah, got it. So the problem is like you, that's not your fault. Your parents were doing the best they could and they couldn't provide. And your 11 year old best wisdom was to just binge eat at your friend's house. I go, yeah, that saved you. You should like, and what I had her do is I had her sit down and do an inner child letter, write a letter to her 11 year old self, thanking her for keeping her alive, but then saying, Hey, I appreciate what you did means a ton. Like I'm you, I'm so proud of you for doing the best you did with what you knew because mom and dad weren't doing very well, but I just want to let you know that I'm really successful now. Um, we don't have these issues and we don't have to do that anymore. I appreciate it, but you, you, you are relieved from your duties. Guess what? Binge eating disappeared like that. Because she dieted from the inside out, she went in, handled her business, and then out here, it kind of took care of itself. But it's the same kind of thing. Most people, it's not their fault they're struggling because of if we piggyback this thing back to when it started, right? Of course, if you know what to do but don't do it, that like of course, you have to take ownership. But this is where it's your responsibility the ownership comes from. If, you, if we were to follow the breadcrumb trail back to where your issue stems, your issue stem from, it's not your fault. You, it was identities, it was beliefs, it was habits that someone put in you when you were defenseless. So it's not your fault. You didn't know any better. Like I grew up thinking fucking I had to eat 12 eggs a day to grow muscle and apple stored fat. That's just what I read on the, when I was trying to do my due diligence. That's what the really jacked steroided guy at the gym told me. So I'm like, oh, he must know what he's doing. That wasn't my fault. But staying in that is staying in your shit, staying ignorant, staying with these old identities. Now that is your, your fault because it's your responsibility to change it. So this is why we can have both. Yeah. It may not be your fault, but it's now, but it's now your responsibility. If I bought my house, when I bought my house, we bought this, this house like six months ago. As soon as we moved in bathroom leak, that wasn't my fault. Fuck. That wasn't my fault. that whoever owned this house before me didn't fix the, the bathroom leak. My house now though, guess who fixed it? 
I did because it's my responsibility. I, I can't sit here and pout and go, oh, they didn't fix it. Yeah, I was pissed. I was like, these motherfuckers almost made me have a ceiling fall in on itself. But it's my house now. It's my responsibility. It's the same thing here. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a concept, right? No, no one's coming to save you. And I think that that is important. To, and you kind of, the, the, the story you just told is super powerful. And, and I kind of always, you know, I said before, like what you have is evidence of, of what, uh, I mean, you have what you want really. Right. And, yeah. but like, I also under explained exactly how you did that. All of that is for good reason. Meaning all of the sure. negative habits that we have, anything that we have in our life is only because somewhere in our brain, our subconscious mind thought that that was the best thing. So whether it's binge eating, smoking cigarettes, yeah. drinking alcohol, doing whatever it is, it's like that is only a safety mechanism. All your mind, mm -hmm. all your brain ever wants to do is to keep you safe. Now, that that clashes with the reality of what the human body needs yeah. and the society that we live in and, and a bunch of other sure. stuff. But it, it's to understand that looking at this stuff with, with a bit of grace and not, not being too hard on yourself. Uh, and so I, I really like that story that you just told about your client, but I'm, I'm curious and feel free to, uh, to say no here because I don't want you to have to give away all of your secret sauce, but you mentioned <laughs> that there are four, uh, four things that you, that you teach people about, uh, binging yeah. or four causes. I'm wondering if you, if you would mind, uh, enlightening yeah. us. Sure. Um, so, uh, I could, by the way, I could make this a, an hour long talk itself, but I'll give you the consolidated version. Um, four reasons for binge eating. Uh, and, the, and let me preface it with this. The reason why I, I take a step back and explain all four is because it's a, it's a little bit deeper thing than just do better, right? Most coaches are just, oh, I just go on a walk. Oh, that's bullshit. Um, but, but also uh, my, my, I always tell people my one party trick is making anything simple as fuck. Like my one superpower is I can make anything just ungodly simple. Um, so that's how we can solve problems is we have to make them really, really doable. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So with binge eating, there are four reasons. The first two are very biological. We can fix them rather quickly because you fix it on this side, it automatically fixes it on that side. Um, the other two are deeper. So the first one, it's based on hunger. Simply, it's very biological. You let your hunger get to a 10 out of a 10. You let your hunger get too too high. Whether you're you think twelve hundred calories is the magic number for you, and you're a fucking adult, um, it could be you didn't get your lunch break, and by the time you know you got home, you're at a, not at an eleven out of ten on a hunger scale, and you're just like fuck it, where's everything, and I'm gonna eat my face off. Um, you might be like going out to dinner with friends, and you're trying to fast all day to conserve calories, and you're just gonna binge eat queso and margaritas like here in a little bit. So. The first reason is very bi biological. It's based in hunger. So the solution is don't let your hunger get that high. Like when your hunger is like a three or four, have a three or four response. Don't like wait till it gets to be like a nine or a 10 where you binge eat. Reason number two, it's based in restriction. Um, this is where if you notice you're binging on certain foods, right? You wouldn't binge on like you wouldn't binge on chicken <laughs> and broccoli and rice. You, you binge only on chips, cake, cookies, ice cream you know, crackers, that kind of thing. Um, it's because you're, you're binging on the foods you restrict. This is a food relationship problem. You have, you have these, this baggage around, like, do you think co cookies are bad or you can't control yourself around Doritos or, um, Oreos or like, you know, Satan cookies. And you're just like, no, I can't have it. It's so bad. I can't control myself. Well, then you're a ticking time bomb to when you're going to binge on it. So, um, there's ways that we do this, but to simply put, if we stop the restriction, we stop the binge. It's like a teeter totter. It's like we have these high, high, super restrictions, super binge, like super restrictions. But it's a, this, it's a vicious circle because your restriction is what causes the binge. And then because you feel so bad about the binge, you naturally want to, you know, crawl back and go, oh, I'm going to restrict really hard. And it's just this vicious circle. So the second one is, is based on restriction. But if we find a way to stop the restriction, we stop the binge. Um, and there's ways we can do that. The, now the last two get really deep. Number three is it's emotionally driven. Emotional eating, stress eating, anxious eating, and things like that. Simply put, emotional eating um, or emotional driven binge eating is just hiding or suppressing your emotions with food. This is more dieting from the inside out stuff. Whereas we have to find a way to hold space for our emotions separately from food. Suppression never made anything better. The way I have a big long story I tell about this, but the short version is like, if your kid saw their dog get smoked by a car, you wouldn't say here's cereal, buck up buttercup. We're not allowed to cry here. Right. You would probably let your kid ball his face off and say, I miss him too, buddy. And you'd hold space. When your best friend had her husband cheat on him and they're just wanting to talk to you about it, um, you're not going to go, I'm only here for the good times, not the bad. Here's ice cream. Get out of my face. Right. That's none of us would do that. What, what we all do actually really well is hold space for our friends and family's emotions. Your kid is upset. Your partner's upset. You go, oh, tell me about it. Come here. Yeah, it's OK to cry. Like 
we're really good at that. But when it's ourselves, we're like, you're not allowed to feel this, um, buck up. Like, no, you're stronger than this. Um, so we have to find ways to hold space for our, our emotions and allow ourselves to process them. Right. Because your emotions are just like you go into the bathroom. If you suppress it, it gets really messy really quickly. Part of going to the bathroom is you have to be very regular and allow yourself to process the food you just ate, which means you can go take a shit. Right. It's kind of gross, but it's 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 what's supposed to happen. It's the same thing. You go through a day in life, of stress, worry and anxiety every day. So you have to find a way to allow yourself to handle those emotions separately from food. And then, and we have ways we can teach with that. Then the last one is it's based in your identity. Like this is where we see a lot of like that one lady I was telling you about with like her conditioning as a child. It was just what she did. It was an identity thing. Or when like going back to our early, the earlier part of the conversation, we talked about how we always sabotage to our identity. Well, when your identity is I'm a binger, that's just who I am. It's who I've always been. You're always going to find a way to that is always going to come true. So those are the four reasons. It's hunger, restriction, emotionally driven identity. Love that. And I'm, I'm super appreciative of you uh, breaking that down. I think that's super helpful. Of I love that we kind of like started super broad with like the, the, the just principles of like success and life and stuff like that yeah. and really got into the granular, actually uh, like nitty gritty of this. Um, and I, I, I think that that's a great place to start to wrap this up. So the last question sure. that I want to ask you is simply if you had one action step that listeners could take right now, as soon as this episode ends, as soon as they take their headphones out to start living a happier, healthier life, what would it be? Pick one thing we talked about under the umbrella of dieting from the inside out. If that's stop restricting, like the binging thing, if that's restriction, stop restricting your food. If that's, uh, you know, you're hiding from your emotions with, with food or you're distracting or any of this stuff is we need to start addressing that. If something in here like poked a bruise and you're like, Ooh, that, that kind of, hmm, that's not very good. The identity thing, that letter, the whatever kind of made your ears perk do the thing, like whatever we talked about a lot. Um, what I hate to see people do is they'll listen, they'll go to a seminar, they'll listen to someone like you or I talk and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they don't do shit. <laughs> and then you go back to your same shitty life. Like don't do that. I'm telling you the whole point of the, the, the whole point of this show, this episode was talking about dieting from the inside out, holding space for your inner darkness, doing the foundational deeper work. And that's going to manifest on the surface of everything that you want. So pick the thing and do the inner work hold space for your inner darkness, rewrite that letter of, of what your identity is and diet yourself from the inside out. And that, that's what I would do is pick just one thing that resonated and run with it. Yeah. Simple. Take action. I, I love that. And I appreciate that. It's, you know, it, it really is that, that cut and dry and that simple. So uh, I really appreciate this conversation. It's always fun having you on for, for a chat, Jared. Uh, if I'm sure people are interested in learning more about you, where's the best place to connect with you or, or, or learn more? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we talked about it a little bit. My the one of the best places if you like this deeper stuff. Uh, my podcast, my show is called Dieting from the Inside Out. It's everywhere. It's on YouTube. It's on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. We have like um, it's the podcast is one of my biggest focuses. So we have like a full production with it and a lot of cool stuff going on with it. Um, if you want this kind of stuff in like your news feed um, with like shorter contents, more your vibe uh, at Real Jared Hamilton on Instagram and TikTok, and I publish those little clips like every day, multiple times a day. And then if you don't have like a home base of a spot where you can go to where you like can get a little bit more help and, and have a community of people that's all like on the same page with this stuff. Like if you're feeling alone and don't have a place you can go to to get help, um, I actually have a free community called Fat Loss Simplified. Um, you just type in Fat Loss Simplified on Facebook and it's right in there and you can add yourself. So amazing. And I'll have links to all that in the show notes. Definitely check out Jared's podcast. It's one of my favorites. And, you know, thank you so much for being here, man. I really enjoyed this. That's all for this week. Be sure to subscribe and follow the show so you don't miss a beat. Support the show by sending this episode to a friend or leaving a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Stay happy, stay healthy.